You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Domecast, the look at state politics and government here in North Carolina from the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. I'm Colin Campbell from the News and Observer, uh, filling in the hosting chair this week, and we had another busy week in North Carolina politics uh, as a uh, we have for weeks and weeks now, it seems hard to catch our breaths these days uh, with House Bill 2 sort of dominating the news and every day getting another round of development seemingly almost uh, every hour into that, uh, particularly as we go close to the short session when there's uh, the potential for some tweaks or changes uh, to the law um, if uh, opponents of it have their way. And we also have the usual reason for the season when it comes to the state budget, or it comes to the short session, it's the state budget uh, tweaks that come out every few years for the second half of the biennium. And we heard some initial proposals this week from uh, Governor Pat McCrory and Senate Leader Phil Berger. So uh, we'll start with that, uh, get the uh, the vegetables out of our way before we go into the uh, House Bill 2 discussion uh, that's a little more um, exciting to the, the general population outside of Jones Street. But uh, starting uh, on the budget issues, we've got uh, Pat Gannon and uh Dan Boylan from The Insider joining us. Uh, guys, uh, who wants to start sort of giving us a little overview of, uh, of what we heard, uh, particularly from the governor this morning in terms of what he wants uh, out of this uh, year's budget? I can start. Uh, this is Pat Gannon. Um, governor had made his announcement today. Uh, we all had to get through um, security at the joint, what's it called? Joint, joint Force, Force Headquarters. headquarters the Basically, National it's Guard. the National Guard headquarters. Um, probably one of the more fortified buildings in Raleigh, I'd say. Um, yep. if, if you uh, if you drive too fast, the uh, spikes will puncture your tires. Right. I was really worried leaving the place that might. I didn't know if I was driving over something that I could drive that I should be driving. Yeah. Well, over their sign said you had to be five miles an hour and you couldn't go in reverse. I think I was going eight or nine, and it was just like eyeing my little tire light the entire way back. Like, oh no, did I did I drive too fast over those spikes? But I think I'm okay. We'll yeah, find anyway, out when I get my car later. Anyway, anyway once we, we got yeah, the in. roadside bombs were a little further down the road, I think, <laughs> yeah. today, yeah? Yeah, Dan, yeah. who's covered uh, po- uh, politics and government overseas in countries a little more dangerous than here, uh, was, uh, I guess, having a little reminiscence to uh, past uh, assignments. Yeah, we're kind of exaggerating a little bit. It wasn't really that bad. but Yeah, but we, we like we, to joke around with these things. Once we got in... Um, we were seated kind of in the third row in, in an auditorium in the in the National Guard building behind all of the governor's um, uh, secret, you know, cabinet secretaries, uh, budget officials, um, other uh, loyal supporters of the governor. Um, there was a bunch of TV cameras there behind behind the print reporters. There really weren't that many print reporters there. This is this is wasn't a huge deal today because it's the governor putting out his budget and it's the general assembly that that is ultimately responsible for the budget but it does outline uh governor mccrory mccrory's priorities not only um for this fiscal year but also for this election year um which, which is just as important so he, he gave us a few more details um not as many as we would have liked probably um but we got some more details about compensation for state employees and teachers. Um, uh, basically, teachers would get a 5% raise and some some would get a bonus of 3 or 3.5% 3 beyond that. Um, state employees would get, a, I believe, a 3% uh, one-time bonus up to with a cap of $3,000, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then the governor would also like to – he's also providing $27 million or, or somewhere around there to uh, – to add to a a pot of money that uh, cabinet uh, secretaries can use to uh, boost pay for certain job 
job descriptions that, that aren't making enough right now to kind of keep talented people, keep and, and recruit uh, talented people to the state workforce. Um, uh, the governor wants to add $300 million to the rainy day fund, which is currently at $1.1 billion. It's actually the highest that the rainy day fund has been in recent history. Um, uh, the, the goal of the state level is to have 8% in reserves. The state right now has about 5.3% in reserves. And this would, if $300 million is added, and legislative leaders have said they hope to add more money as well, that would bring the uh, rainy day fund up to about 7% of the previous year's uh, spending. Um, so those are some of the highlights today. We didn't get nearly as much as we would, as we would have yeah, liked. Yeah, we should stress that the budget itself is not out yet. Uh, when we had this same press conference, same location uh, about a year or so ago, um, there were the booklets handed out to press and to, to cabinet members, and I guess then distributed to legislators um, that you know were hundreds of pages of what the individual spending stuff would do. Uh, this is not going to be out till uh, Wednesday. This this book uh, when the legislature uh, meets to have their first committee meeting on the budget. Uh, meantime, we were sort of getting the the highlights that, uh, that the governor and his staff uh, wanted to to point out and, and get out there in the days ahead of the legislative session. Dan, this right. was your first uh, first experience with Governor McCrory. How do how do you think it went? It was it was exciting. It's always exciting to see a new, uh, lively new face in American politics. He's not a lively new face, and that's what struck me today, was that here we are in April of an election year, and he unveils what feels like a a strong budget in terms of talking points for campaigning. However, they didn't actually give us. Uh, we didn't actually that's receive the governor a, calling. That's you the right governor there. calling me right now, gentlemen. I've got to. I'll be right back. Uh, yeah, it, we didn't have it, so we couldn't dig into it. So he's not going to get a weekend full of positive anything. Instead, what he did was he refused to answer questions about HB two, uh, and it felt to me like it was funny that this morning I was uh, thinking I'm, I'm about to go into this press conference. So I dug around online for a moment and I found this picture of McCrory from his 1973 yearbook. With the long hair, have you seen this? I have not. Uh, I've seen is, it. It's, it's, been, a, it's, it's kind a, of been around. It looks like he could be in the Eagles, or like hanging out with Jackson yeah. Brown. We're going to need to get that up on Twitter for it's our tremendous. listeners. It's a great picture, and it looks like you think this is a guy who was elected when he was thirty-nine years old to be the youngest mayor of Charlotte, and that takes some some juice, right? That takes some charisma, imagination, and he's been a, a great campaigner throughout his career. Tried a few times to become governor, finally did, but. Here he is, and he's had some relatively good numbers uh, leading into this, right, into April of his campaign year. And yet this this massive explosion in his lap has happened of HB2, this bomb drop in his lap, and Ringo Starr now knows who he is. Yeah, that's something. Is that, where yeah. you wanna, is that like where you want to be as the governor of North Carolina? And my sense today was to wrap this up. Pat says, what do you think of him? And I thought, well, here's a fellow who this is four weeks into the biggest controversy of the biggest headlines of his career. And he looked like, you know, you should a, a campaign's a marathon and you're at about mile four right now and you should be feeling good. And I sense that like he, he looked tired and uh, I don't want to answer any questions. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to treat I'm going to take my anger out on the local press. And that's just yeah. There was definitely I, a I sense of frustration. Like he, frustration. He precisely. did not want us off topic from the budget with questions about HB two, and then those the answers were essentially, um, you know, I've already said, I've already answered that question. Refer to my earlier remarks as opposed to sort of mounting a, a vigorous defense of that. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in yeah. the uh, second segment. But uh, sort of jumping back to the budget stuff, McCrory's announcement today comes two days after a sort of similar press conference from Phil Berger that was, I guess, a little bit broader in that he was talking about his goals for the, the legislative session. Um, 
I gather the comparing the two, we see a little bit uh, of what some of the budget tension is going to be. I, I think on the one hand, you've got the spending number, which was uh, the big point of contention between the House and the Senate last year as to just how much we're going to spend of the uh, new money that's coming in as revenues increase. Um, and that was a lot of the uh, of why we had a session that went all the way to, to September last year. Uh, this year, it seems like the, the margin of difference, at least from the governor and Berger, uh, isn't as vast, although we still haven't heard from the, the House leadership. Uh, the governor would like to see a spending increase, I think about 2.8% is what uh, his document would, would create. Uh, Phil Berger the other day said that he thinks uh, a responsible figure is probably closer to 2%. Uh, so we'll probably you know end up somewhere at like 2.4% potentially uh, once all is said and done. Other big issue is the uh, discrepancy on taxes. Um, the, uh, Phil Berger and I think a lot of folks in the House as well uh, have been talking for months about raising the standard deduction, that they want that to be higher. That essentially is an income tax cut for just about everybody who takes the standard deduction, whether you're poor or wealthy. Um, and it, it works out to bigger percentages, I guess, if you're on the, the poorer end of the spectrum. So it's, it's billed as a way to help the, the poor and middle class. Uh, that uh, item was missing from the governor's uh, thing, and and he he was asked a question about it, I think, and, and didn't really give a whole lot of a response as to to why he felt like this this tax cut that Berger wants is not a good idea. He was asked the question. I can't. Dan, do you remember his resp- his exact response? I don't. No, I I don't recall that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was something he went back to. I just think he talked of, about the. Teacher pay, I remember, was what popped yeah, up. Yeah, he, he talks about sort of the, the, the reflects the priorities mm-hmm. of the state, whether it's the spending that he's proposed, and that's that's how you fund that spending is by not increasing taxes, as he stressed. That you know he doesn't want anything to go up, including fees, as we saw in, in past budgets. Uh, but he's also not including the the uh, int- increase in the standard deduction that, that Berger has made a big talking point. Mm. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see with that. It's interesting too that the the Revenue Law Study Committee that was going to have um, draft legislation or we thought was going to approve draft legislation canceled its meeting last week. Um, and I, I don't really know why I haven't had a chance to ask, although I did talk to Senator Rucho, uh, who's one of the chairman of that committee. And he said, we know, we know what we're going to do basically. Yeah. Um, so and and Berger we'll mentioned that they wouldn't do anything beyond standard reduction, which I was a little bit surprised by. I figured, you know, Rucho has been like the taxes are for years since the Republicans took over. I kind of thought in his last session, we might see something a little bit more sweeping than, than just a small increase in the standard deduction. Yeah, and I think there were some problems with the um, sales tax on on some services last year. There were some tech you know, some some issues that caused some businesses that do the same thing as another business to have to charge sales tax where the other business didn't based on um, I don't know, other products they sell or, or just a bunch of different. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of confusion around that. I got a lot of calls from, you know, car dealerships and people who do home repairs as to is this a tax apply to me or not? And, yeah, so I think I think they are going to do something to try to fix that, um, whether it's in technical corrections or a separate bill. Um, the uh, I think the big, one of the big fights this year is going to be over employee, state employees and teacher salaries. I mm. mean, I think teachers will probably like the governor's um, – proposal to, to bring them up above uh, 50,000 on average. I mean, how could they not really? Um, but there are other lots of other areas where, where le- certain legislators want, pe- you know, people to get uh, raises. There's just pal- probably every cabinet secretary is going to be fighting for raises for their people because it's hard to keep, um, you know, people in, employed in state government uh, sometimes. Um, I know, tr- you know, Trisha Cotham told me the other day, Representative Trisha Cotham from Mecklenburg told me the other day that, that um, she thought, you know, there wouldn't be enough money there to give teachers the raise they really, they really deserve, and she she called the last year's seven hundred fifty dollar bonus a tip, um, and she hoped it would be far more than that. 
I know Representative Leo Daughtry has asked for or is going to ask for money, you know, more money for judges and other court uh, judicial branch employees who haven't had a raise in, you know, a couple of years. So it, that's going to be the big thing. How much money is there and how, and how much money can we give them? One other thing to mention is the, the governor's budget does not include a raise for a cost of living adjustment uh, for state retirees. And they've been pushing for that for a while. And yeah, and scenic has already come out and yeah. pretty much blasted the pay plan as, as not being enough for, for what their needs are in terms of inflation and cost of living increases. So what if scenic said that that was perfect for them? Yeah, I would be really surprised if they think, said, I don't think, I don't know if the, in the history of scenic, if they said, yeah, that's a good raise. We don't need any more. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say. I can say I doubt it, but I'd probably be wrong. Yeah one, yeah, one observation I had about Phil Berger there going in there was he was uh, he seemed to be in a pretty jocular mood. He said that he had a bit of a cold, but uh, towards the end of the, his his presser there, we were asked. He was asked about the length of the short session, and we were digging back a little bit and found that uh, the regular session this year was 135 days, and we were looking at some numbers trying to see how long these things run. And Berger said. Uh, who was it? It was from WRAL, right? Uh, yeah, they'd asked about how long she, we'd be here. Yeah, right. Laura how long? Leslie, yeah. Laura yeah. Leslie asked, "How long are we going to be here?" Because these sessions generally run, you know, two to three months. Uh, sometimes they can run longer. And Berger brought the house down with uh, with his line. My hope is that we finish in time for everyone to enjoy fireworks that don't involve this building. Yeah. So, yeah, so we can all hope for that. We'll be enjoying those Monday, I think, if, if anybody knows what's going on this coming Monday. Yeah, and we may get into that in the last segment, but uh, it seems like the mass sit-ins from the NAACP, there's going to be a rally among people who support HB2, uh, so it, it'll be a busy Monday, even though there's not a whole lot on the uh, the calendar for the, the floor sessions Monday night, so uh, yeah. a lot to uh, talk about. I'm sure we'll be very busy on, on next week's Domecast and very busy next week in general. All right, we're going to take a quick break before we go into that topic, House Bill 2, uh, in just a moment. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest for RAD. Over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver. That's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week. And the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it. So if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking, get the keys. Don't leave it up to anyone else. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to this week's edition of Domecast. I'm Colin Campbell from the News and Observer. And now it's time to uh, yet, yet again uh, go into our uh, favorite topic here on Domecast over the last month or so. House Bill 2, uh, the debate continues to rage on uh, nationally and I think even to some extent internationally now that we've had the the UK's foreign office weigh in with the travel advisory. And uh, I think that even the, today we heard from President Obama while he was in London addressing questions about HB2. Uh, uh, so that's... Uh, uh, sort of a big development uh, as far as that goes. So joining us to talk about that, uh, News and Observer and PolitiFact North Carolina reporter Will Doran is here. And we've also got a, a special guest uh, joining us as well, uh, Melinda Jackson, who is a regular Domecast listener as well as a entertainment publicist out in California and a North Carolina native who follows uh, politics here. So they're going to help us sort through uh, the latest developments on this. So we'll, we'll start with you, Will. Um, you, I guess, watched the uh, Meet the Press interview uh, with the governor on Sunday now. Uh, and looked into at least one of the claims on that. What did you find out? Uh, yeah, um, we uh, uh, we looked into a couple of the claims. Actually, um, one of our other PolitiFact colleagues from uh, Tampa Bay looked into uh, his claim that Charlotte would have uh, 
put rules on all private businesses. Um, I had actually previously looked into a similar claim like that from Dan Forrest. Um, I had found Dan Forrest's claim to be false. The one that Pat McCrory said on Meet the Press was a little bit more nuanced, and so it got just a mostly false. Um, we also looked into um, his statement that the human rights campaign, which has been leading a lot of the uh, criticism and uh, pressure on HB2, uh, was more powerful than the NRA. And um, Governor might feel that way now. He's been dealing He's with getting a lot of pressure from the human rights, rights campaign. campaign. And I, I have a feeling that they've uh, helped orchestrate a lot of the concert cancellations and businesses that have really taken a big stand on this. They've certainly been very active. Um, but we looked into it. We looked into political spending. We looked into membership. We looked into how often the two groups are referenced in congressional hearings and other reports. We looked into, you know, their magazine subscriptions, everything. And any possible way you can quantify it, really, the human rights campaign doesn't really hold a, uh, a candle to the to the NRA, which I think probably a lot of people wouldn't be too surprised <laughs> yeah. to find out the NRA is very powerful. Yeah, I think was... that raised a few eyebrows when he said that because the NRA, they they get it done when, with their agenda. <laughs> right, right. So it was, you know, it was a, uh, I guess, a catchy talking point for him. It ended up being false, very false. The, the way I thought about it is it's like saying that, you know, uh, a 22 caliber rifle is more powerful than a 12-gauge shotgun. You know, you don't want either of them to target you. They can both be pretty powerful, but one is certainly more powerful than the other. <laughs> yeah, and I suspect if, if McCrory were to propose some sort of gun control uh, initiative, which I kind of doubt he would do as a Republican governor in the South, um, I suspect he would get a lot more fire from the NRA than he's gotten over, over HB2. <laughs> yes, they, they've got a bit more clout. So we looked into that. Um, and then as also, this wasn't anything for PolitiFact, but yeah, as you alluded to earlier, um, President Obama was in London today. Um, with uh, British Prime Minister David Cameron. They held a uh, joint press conference and at the end um, took some questions. And one of them, um, it's actually kind of an oddly worded question from this journalist. They asked uh, both of them to comment on the war in Syria and Prince's death and House Bill 2. That's a strange <laughs> combination of news events, none of which have to yeah. do basically saying, I know I'm only going to get one question at this news conference, so let me ask all of my questions in one question. Right, right. Um, but actually, um, North Carolina ended up getting most of the, uh, the airtime from actually both of the leaders. And what I found interesting was uh, Cameron was actually more critical of it than Obama was. Really? That's yeah. strange. Obama said, you know, he disagrees with it um, and, you know, thinks that it should not exist but he said in general you know the people of north carolina are hospitable and friendly and you will probably not run into any you know problems if you travel here um he was responding to the fact that uh, the united kingdom has issued a travel warning for citizens going yeah, to north carolina. and it's not you know i met with the uh, the british consul general who was in town just to talk about north carolina politics casually this week and he stressed that you know that's not they're not taking a position against House Bill 2. They just want their citizens to be aware that, you know, local customs differ. You know, if you're LGBT, you need to be aware of what the law says and sort of attitudes in, in various areas. Um, but it, it did make headlines, I think, around the world. That, it did. Uh, you yeah. don't see too many travel advisories for specific uh, states within the U.S. Uh, usually they're more about countries uh, across the globe that uh, have some more uh, interesting policies. 
Exactly. And I, like I said, I was surprised, you know. Um, Japan you know. Times, uh, Dan Boylan showed me a headline that, uh, on, on HP2. Uh, so, yeah, if you're if you're abroad now, you're going to hear a lot about it, even though it's, uh, it still feels like sort of a North Carolina issue. Exactly. But, you know, on the international stage here, you've got, you know, Obama sticking up for the state saying, hey, keep coming, keep visiting, you're going to be fine. Whereas David Cameron saying, well, we stand by our right to chide even our friends on you know what we view as discriminatory bills so i thought that was interesting that you know actually it was uh <laughs> you know obama not necessarily defending the republicans but defending the state yeah. um in face of some criticism yeah it's been been amazing sort of the the level of the high level of criticism we saw on this i think the only person who hasn't weighed in yet is the pope because we heard from donald trump today we've heard or the other yesterday we heard from um obama uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's going to take the Pope weighing in to sort of, uh, you know, increase that level of news, and we'll, we'll see what he has to say about it. Actually, actually, we've been an interesting position to hear as the the Catholic Church has uh, certain stances on on homosexuals, but you know, he's also been a more, I guess, progressive Pope than we've seen in the past. So, next week's Domecast, we'll we'll see if that, if that actually happens. I'll uh, I'll call up yeah. the Vatican and see if I can get. A yeah, comment. see if you can get them to to weigh in on that, which kind of. Brings me to uh, Melinda on the level of celebrity um, activity with respect to, to HB2. I guess we've heard this week that Pearl Jam has canceled their Raleigh concert. Uh, Cirque du Soleil has canceled. Boston, uh, the band that I guess is still touring, um, was supposed to be in North Carolina for three dates. They have canceled. Um, in, in the world of uh, entertainment publicity, how much do you see uh, performers making a stand on this level where they just get rid of existing concert dates? Um, I mean, actually, I was surprised that so many people did cancel. Um, but then also it surprised me that Against Me, the po- very popular punk band, um, their lead singer is transgender. And um, she said, you know, we're not going to be canceling our May date. We're going to do this as a form of protest. So I was I was pretty excited to see that somebody's actually going to do that because I was hoping more people would do that yeah. as a form of protest instead of canceling because, like, I know a lot of people said um, after – the fallout from Bruce Springsteen was, well, the people that would be going to the concert might necessarily, they, they might necessarily, not necessarily support HB2 anyway. So Yeah, and that's when I said when, when Ani DeFranco canceled hers, I was like, I bet 99% of your fans, if not 100% of your fans, yeah. are against HB2 anyway. And, exactly. And the Republicans probably weren't going to go to your show. Exactly. I, I don't think Pat McCrory uh, would have gone. I don't, I don't, maybe he would have went to the Ringo Starr show. I don't know. Maybe he would have went to Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. I don't know, but I doubt it. Yeah, and it's, it's been interesting to see the uh, – there's been a group, I think, here in Raleigh uh, that started a website called North Carolina Needs You, trying to encourage mm-hmm. uh, musicians to um, stick around, maybe donate some of their proceeds to an LGBT group, yeah. maybe some statements from the stage. Uh, and their biggest target right now is Beyonce because she's coming here yeah. soon. And uh, a lot of people are really worried that they're not going to get to see Beyonce. I personally, you know, just from an entertainment standpoint, don't see Beyonce canceling. And, and like, you know, you have to think of it from this. It's – you're putting t- people out all the tickets, and then also the crew that they have to pay these crew to travel and everything. So that's a lot of lost income for those people. It's just it's just a whole mess to deal with logistically. So I don't see Beyonce really canceling. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully she plays and she doesn't form a process protest like against me is going to do. But we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what the next performers are that uh, that weigh in on that. Uh, either way, um, and one of the things that surprised me, I mean, you, you and I interact on Twitter a lot. Uh, there's a lot of chatter on this uh, from from all sides. Uh, seems like pretty much 
constantly if you follow the NCPOL hashtag or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the probably the biggest celebrity voice on this is a celebrity voice that I hadn't really heard about since the 90s, Montel Williams, the uh, talk show host. Um, he's been, like, getting into it with, with legislators. What, what do you make of his role in yeah, all this? Yeah, Montel Williams is literally going in. I'm looking right now at his tweets, and he is just – he is all over it, just tweeting McCrory and Senator Berger. He's just – He's really in it to win it, which is, I guess it's pretty cool because it's also, you know, creating more awareness. But I, I was surprised, too. When you told me that earlier, I was like, what, Montel? So. Yeah, and so he'll always, like, message journalists about what he's doing. He, he mentioned to me that he might actually, he's been in talks with, with Reverend William Barber of the Moral Monday yeah. movement, that he might at some point uh, come down and participate in a protest. That would be uh, really would awesome. Be, be so interesting they'll probably to see. get CNN on that and everything. Yeah, else. and he's had little arguments, I think, with uh, going back and forth with uh, House Majority Leader Mike Hager, uh, on this, uh, and it's sort of an interesting role in this because he's, uh, I started following him on this. I don't think I had remembered him since I was like surfing channels at age 13 yeah. at home, but, um, but, uh, he, you know, he's, he's been back and forth on that, but he's also at the same time campaigning for John Kasich for the Republican nomination. Yeah. So he's this sort of Republican figure who I actually didn't realize was Republican until this, yeah. um, but who's a very, very strong voice on, on HB2. So it's, it's been fun to watch. It's kind of, you just sit back and get the popcorn when you log onto Twitter. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking now, and he is all about John Kasich, which I did not know either. So that's really surprising. Well, then looking ahead to uh, next week, uh, we got protests from the NAACP. They've announced mass sit-ins on Monday. Uh, there'll be a, a rally of HB2 proponents asking legislators to stand firm. Um, and then we've uh, we've had a hard time getting a sense for uh, where legislators are going to go on this. The governor has said he wants to get rid of the provision on uh, who can sue for discrimination lawsuits. Uh, Phil Berger sort of indicated the other day that that's not something he's terribly concerned about, uh, that he feels like the federal court system is fine for that. Um, and then the uh, just a couple hours ago, the Associated Press released its survey of, uh, of legislators um, who'd been called up by, I think, media outlets from across the state to find out, you know, would they support changes to HB2? Would they support repeal? You know, what, what's, what are their thoughts going into the session? And uh, I think they had only like 10 or 11 folks who – uh, directly said, no, I will not uh, support any form of change to HB2. And then a lot of people who wouldn't reply either ignored the calls from AP and its partners. Uh, I think Representative William Brawley uh, actually said he thought that the questionnaire was, quote, a trap uh, and that he would not be responding to it. Uh, a couple other folks apparently. Uh, yeah, one person had a rotary meeting that they needed to get to. They said a call back at 2 p.m. The reporter calls back at 2 p.m. There is no response uh, beyond that. So, yeah, must have been rotary meetings still uh, underway now. Hopefully it'll be over before Monday, but um, uh, certainly uh, a lot of reluctance among, I think, from Pat McCrory on down to to really talk about this um, uh, a whole lot and and, and get excited about defending it, uh, at least on some level. So we'll we'll see what happens next week. Um, I think that covers uh, this week's developments. Um, We will be back in just a moment with Headliners of the Week. Stay with us. Today, my new dad and I shot off a rocket in the park. Today, my new son and I failed to shoot off a rocket. The rocket launched into the air. And then crashed into the pond. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day, even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of Domecast. And of course it's now time for... 
Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Head, 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 headliner of the week. Thanks for that, as always, Andy Curlis. Uh, joining our panel today, we've got four people uh, doing their picks for Headliner of the Week, and we are going to start off with uh, the newest member of the Domecast team, uh, Dan Boylan from The Insider. Dan, who's your pick for Headliner this week? Thank you, Colin. As the rain falls outside of our studio here at the News and Observer, I'm going to go with a bright, shining face who will be in the uh, Senate starting Monday, Jay Chaudhary. Uh, Jay is an Indian American following in that tradition here of Nikki Haley and Bobby Jindal of uh, Indian Americans who've had a lot of success in the South, seemingly. I think that uh, Jay, I had a nice discussion with Jay this week. He said that he's going to, uh, you know, observe as as all new members of the assembly do when they when they come into session. But my sense is that he's been around and uh, at one point he's in a he's been an attorney and he's worked with the uh, Cooper and uh, Cowell as as treasurer and attorney general. He actually was the head of uh, the state's eighty six billion dollar pension fund at one point. Hmm. Uh, so my sense is that he's like good with documents. Yeah, I bet he'll be sort of a policy wonk type when he gets in I, there. I would think, and he's got a great face. He's got this uh, sort of great face that's. Looks like he's ready to be a senator and ready to take some punches and throw some punches. So I, I nominate Jay Chaudhary. I think that he's going to be an exciting new face there at the uh, in the Senate. Uh, there was also Kyle Hall, a few other folks that I knew faces, uh, but Jay's the one that I'm going. Yeah, he's with, sort of so. seen as a rising star in Democratic politics. He's replacing Josh Stein, who wants to move up to AG, who would then replace Roy Cooper, who's trying to move up to governor. So there's. Perhaps a pipeline there. Yep, um, yep. Jay Chaudhry in the hat for headline of the week. We'll, and, uh, and with Kyle Hall as an amendment. He's, yeah. a, he's a younger Republican. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be the youngest member in the House at 25 years old. So okay. shout out to Kyle there. All right. Thanks, Dan. We'll turn next to Pat Gannon. Pat, who's your headliner of the week? I'm going to go fairly obscure this week and go with uh, Representative Jimmy Dixon. from. Uh, he's a, a Republican from Warsaw, and he sits on a – a newly, fairly newly formed committee called the House Select Committee on Wildlife Resources, which is going to apparently over the next couple of years delve deep into the issues between commercial and recreational fishermen in the state, which is a very long-standing fight over who who's allowed to catch what fish at what time with what kind of equipment, and um, very tense uh, along the coast between. Uh, those two groups mainly. It's mainly the commercial fishermen who do it for a living and the sports uh, or recreational fishermen who do it for fun. Um, and one of his, his comments, what he wants to do, uh, there's been a changeover recently in the leadership at Division of Marine Fisheries. And uh, Dixon thought now is a good time to really dive deep into the the uh, science and the uh, the numbers regarding the different fish and, and how they're doing stock-wise. Um, and that the new leadership could could try to uh, forge some kind of compromise uh, or consensus between the two groups. And his comment, um, he's had, he had several very forceful comments. I mean, he really wants to get to the bottom of this dispute uh, was, I want to take the Hatfields and McCoys out of this issue and start getting down to the database, the data-based science-driven facts and figures on what kind of fish are out there and how we need to manage it so that it is truly sustainable for the future. And I think that's that's what everybody kind of wants, but nobody has knows how to get there. So, yeah. anyway. All right. Representative Jimmy Dixon in the hat for uh, it's a very controversial issue among the people who are uh, paying attention yeah. to that particular controversial issue. And uh, nice little shout out to the Hatfields and McCoys in, uh, in his statement there. So thanks for that, Pat. Um, and we'll jump over next to Will Doran uh, from PolitiFact and the News and Observer. Will, who's your headliner of the week? I'm going to go a little bit more mainstream than that. Um, I'm going to nominate Governor Pat McCrory. Um, he has uh, done a good job of 
putting himself and keeping himself in the news between appearing on uh, Meet the Press, national Sunday talk show uh, last weekend, and then, you know, today kind of capping the week with his budget announcement um, that will, you know, ensure that it continues to be news over this weekend. And then, you know, we'll be hearing the full budget on Wednesday. So he's he's done a very good job of just kind of keeping it rolling and, <laughs> you know, uh, putting himself out there on various issues from teacher pay and the budget to HB2 and, and everything in between. All right. Governor Pat McCrory making a, probably for him, like a, I don't know how many times he's been in the hat for headline of the week, but uh, always a, a good solid pick for I, uh, for I guess probably at least every week since HB2 has passed. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would think so for sure. All right. Uh, thanks, Will, for that. And we'll turn lastly to uh, our uh, guest panelist on Domecast today, Melinda Jackson, who we uh, spoke to earlier. I should uh, point out that uh, Melinda is the first of what I hope will be multiple um guest panelists joining us for the the podcast uh, we, we'd like to invite more of our uh, listeners and, and other folks who are uh, in the know about North Carolina politics or just interested uh, in in dropping by on a Friday when we record and, and participating so if you want to uh, be cool like Melinda and uh, and get in on this uh, just tweet me at Raleigh reporter and we'll uh, we'll try to set up a date to uh, bring you in if you can tolerate uh, being in a room of chatty and sarcastic journalists for an hour we'd, we'd love to have you so uh, turning to Melinda now uh, Melinda who's your uh, headliner of the week my headliner Runner of the week is the late and great Prince, who passed away yesterday, very suddenly. Um, and for a more local angle, uh, Carrie resident Marcus Anderson is actually a part of Prince's new power generation band. So he's a saxophonist in that. So Okay. I think that's a local angle we hadn't reported on yet. So maybe um, you're a little breaking a little news here. Um, actually, you have because okay. I've booked an interview before, but it wasn't okay, with good. you. So yeah. there we go. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, Marcus Melinda, Anderson. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Prince in the hat, along with uh, Representative Jimmy Dixon, um, new state senator Jay Chaudhry, and Governor Pat McCrory. Uh, difficult choice there, but I think uh, I would be getting a lot of hate mail from Prince fans if I did not pick Prince for this. Uh, and, and those fans and include hate mail from me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and Melinda is, is very active on, on Twitter, so uh, you'll, you you hear from her a lot if you're active uh, in in the conversation about North Carolina politics. So she'll win this week's uh, for Prince, and that is all the time we've got for Domecast. Thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News & Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.